Only two HBCU players will be at the NFL Combine this year. The number is low, but was there actually any snubs? Oh, yeah. It's locked on, HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And remember, I am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make it locked on HBCU, your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And if you're new to FanDuel, if you, put, if you put down a bet of $5 and win, you get $150 back in bonus bets. We wrap up today's episode with a list of games that you need to watch this Saturday in HBCU football, both on the D1 level and the D2 level. However, before we get into that, Diamond Johnson is a player of the year, mid-major player of the year, semifinalist, and we kick off today's episode with a look at the NFL Combine. Because every year, when it comes around this time of the season, it's draft time, right? Because the draft's coming up in April. Everyone, Everybody wants to know, how many HBCU players getting drafted this year? Number one, great last year. We want to see an improvement, of course. And this kind of kicks it off. When you look at the NFL Scouting Combine, which will be in Indianapolis and everything that goes into that, the testing, the talking to scouts, all of that stuff, right? How many invites do HBCU players get? And this year, it was two players. Only two. And I know that number sounds low, but I really had to think, is there anybody else I would have invited? Is there anybody else I'm upset about not getting the invite. That's probably the better way to say it. Because there's a lot of players I would invite, but I don't necessarily know if I'm upset that they didn't get the invite. I got one guy who is a potential snub. One player who I believe is a snub, and that is Sundiata Anderson from Grambling State. And I know that we've spoken about him a lot recently, but the reason that we've spoken about him a lot recently is the reason I feel like I could argue that he is a snub. He's my borderline. I wouldn't be ready to jump out there confidently and say he's a snub. But I'm on the fence. And I, if somebody said it, I'd nod my head. But he's probably like the only one I'm really in agreement with. Right now, you have Willie Drew from Virginia State. You have Aneem Donkwa from Howard. 
Those are your two invites. And those shouldn't surprise anybody because they've been invited for a while. I remember seeing Donquin and Drew getting their invites, I want to say near the end of the season, like shortly after the Celebration Bowl. So I knew this was coming, if not before that, to be honest. So seeing Donqua, seeing Drew, I knew that. But the reason that you announced these lists this week, which is when they did it, the reason you announced these lists is because you get late additions. So though we knew Drew and Donqua were going to be there, I think maybe some had hope that other HBCU players were going to slide in. Let me tell you right now, that's not going to happen often. Most times, the HBCU players who are going to be at the Combine are more than likely going to have already received their invites. But I did think that Sundiata Anderson would be a little bit different. I understood why he didn't initially get the invite. His sack numbers aren't great. And from an edge player position, that's what they're looking at the most. They want to see how do you rush the passer. And I had a conversation with, with Coach G while we were at the Shrine Bowl, and we were discussing specifically Sundiata, and it was the fact that he gets a lot of pressures, but his sack numbers aren't high. And I know you may say, put on the tape, put on the tape. And in theory, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I fully agree with you. But I also know that they're not always putting on the tape. And sometimes they need reasons to put on the tape. And I put that in air quotes, reasons to put on the tape. And that reason is high sack numbers. Oh, this guy had 15 sacks. Like, like look at Isaiah Lamb. When he got however many sacks he got in his Buck Buchanan Award winning season, that was a reason to say, oh, I need to go look at that guy. It's been well documented that the HBCU players aren't getting the most attention they're not a high priority. FCS in general just isn't getting a lot of attention or a high priority um, listing. It's just not happening. But the reason I thought that maybe that would change, the reason I thought that maybe Anderson could be a guy who breaks through and is a late addition from an HBCU is because of how he performed at the East-West Shrine Bowl. He was a conversation starter all week. He was a guy who made multiple eye-catching plays. He was a player who, going into the game, they said he was an impact player. He was one of two impact players on his defense. I felt as if his performance in Frisco was good enough to at least garner some thought about inviting him to the combine. See, that's the reason that I'm not ready to just jump out there and just say he was snubbed. Right? I don't think actually. I don't think that there are any snubs. But Sundiata Anderson is a guy I would have liked to seen be invited, and he's the closest thing to a snub. I'm not angry because I understand he had seven sacks. Let's see how many sacks he had last year. He had five sacks last year and seven the sacks or seven sacks the year prior. There's guys who are getting 12 sacks in a year, and that's catching your eye. I get it. He's he's a better pass rusher than those numbers would suggest. But sometimes the cookie don't crumble that way. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he won't get drafted. We'll get into that later. But Isaiah Bolden, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't go to the combine. And he ended up getting drafted. So there's just little things that you can do. I think that, and to wrap this up real quick while we're speaking about it, Will, yeah, because I don't have much to say. I won't make this into a whole topic another time. And maybe if I do, I'll combine it with Donkla. But to me, Willie Drew, this is a great sign for him. He's got a senior bowl invitation, which he's already been to. And he's got an NFL combine invitation, which he's about to go to. From a D2 HBCU, I think that those are signs that he's more than likely going to be drafted. 
I think that it is his spot to lose. And the only thing about that is it's not a guarantee. It's not like he's a, a star cornerback from Alabama. This guy is a D2 player, an HBCU player. And I heard he had mixed reviews at this at the senior bowl. And I just don't know if you could afford, like, let's say that a team felt he looked bad. Okay. That's one X. The whole senior bowl invite, the combine invite, it doesn't work if you don't look good. Like, that's the thing. You have to be impressive because at the end of the day, you are a D2 HBCU player who is fighting the stigma competition level. If you go to the senior bowl and you don't look good, well, that's not a, a check for you. That's a, actually a downgrade because now it's going to look like you are a product of your competition level. And then if you go to the combine and you don't look athletic, they're going to think that they can't build with you. So I think that the combine, as good of a nod it is for him, is very important. Willie Drew needs to make sure that he performs because there are a little bit of questions, depending on who you would ask. I've seen some people say, oh, he continued to improve. I've seen some people say he didn't really get right. Both of those things are in – both of those things can be seen in different scouts' notebooks, right? So, like, let's take a team like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay may say he improved. Meanwhile, the Falcons may say he didn't get right. If you go in there, you look bad at the combine, the Falcons will be like, oh, take him off the board. Couldn't get right against greater competition, and he doesn't seem to have the athletic standards that we want to have to feel like we can take a chance on him and build him up. This is a very important event for Willie Drew. But overall, as snubs go, maybe Sundiata Anderson. Maybe. Um, but as we push forward – Let's look at Diamond Johnson. Ain't no snubs here. She is actually a semi-finalist for the Becky Hammond Mid-Major Player of the Year Award in Women's Basketball. So let's go ahead and take a look at that as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Football is done, and I think by now it's Friday. You've probably dried your tears, but who knows? Maybe you dried your tears with a little bit of cash that you made from FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel and you haven't quite taken that opportunity yet, opportunity yet and you wanted to wait till basketball season was full and in swing, then go ahead and go to FanDuel. Dot com slash locked on make every moment more and by being new to FanDuel you'll get a hundred and fifty dollars back in bonus bets when you put down a five dollar bet that wins maybe you waited too late maybe the game's already going like dang I forgot to go ahead and get in their pregame that's cool because they got live betting players teams everything in between go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more As you continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked on Sports Today, the first of its kind, 24-7, all day, every day, sports network on YouTube. Diamond Johnson, the star for Norfolk State, the highly regarded player as a transfer, is now a semifinalist for the Becky Hammond Mid-Major Player of the Year Award. This is just another award. She's used to this, 
right? When I say highly regarded, it's because she's also decorated coming in. I mean, freshmen at Rutgers, all Big Ten, I think they are. Big Ten. So you're an all-conference all team, right? All-conference player. Then you go over to North Carolina State, and you end up being sixth woman of the year, being a second-team all-ACC player. Like, this is a player who came over extremely decorated and with high expectations. She didn't start off the year. I think that's the most impressive thing about this is she actually had to sit down the first 10 games of the season because of some eligibility issues with her being a second time transfer. They had to get some of those things worked out and she hadn't graduated yet. So not being a graduate while also being a second time transfer, I guess, gave some sort of of, of hesitance or, you know, maybe slow down the process or maybe she had to go through something, but she ended up getting in but she missed the first 10 games and she's still on this list. That's what's most impressive to me is that you've basically missed half of your team's games. So everybody else who was on this list will probably have better numbers from a, a total from a mass. But when you look at a per game number, she has to have, she obviously has to have comparable stats, but I would assume she even best some of them because you don't miss 10 games and be on a player of the year award list. You don't. And she's been here. She was on the watch list before the year because everybody knew who she was. She was on that watch list midseason. And at that time, she had only played six games, but she had still done enough. It was her and her teammate, Kiara Wheeler. They were the only two HBCU players who were there. I'll be honest. I would like to have seen Zay Green on there. I think she's been playing very well, but I understand. But overall, I don't know if you count this as the first list because there was a preseason watch list. There was a midseason watch list. And now this is the first semifinalist, right? So to me, this is the first real list. This is the first list you look at and you say, this is the, the players that Becky Hammond had. But regardless, you had 50, you went from 25 to 15 to you went from 25 to 15 to 10. And that's the semifinalist. They're at 10 now. And then you'll go to five, and then they'll finally be announced during March Madness. So that's the process of this award. And she's the only HBCU player now. When it was 15, it was her and her teammate, Wheeler. But you get it. You see it. Games two through five, she made an immediate impact. Games two through five, she dropped 20 or more points in each and every one of those games. It seemed like the first game, she was chunking up shots. She had to get right. She had to understand exactly where she was going to sit within this offense. And once she found that pocket, it was over. It was over. And now she's averaging 20 points per game. She's been having, she just dropped 29 in the last one that tied a season high. So you're looking at a player who has stolen the show. Matter of fact, if you think about the first time in this season that I spoke about her, I said, she's arrived. Because she immediately came and left her print on all of MEAC basketball. Diamond Johnson is absolutely ridiculous. She's averaging over four steals a game. In addition to having 20 points. Do y'all hear me? She's averaging four steals a game. In addition to her 20 points. Diamond Johnson is like that. And... This is only further proof. We'll see how far she goes. We'll see how much she can ratchet it up as the season continues to go. 
But to me, this is a confirmation that you're looking at one of the brightest stars on her level. A thousand percent. You're looking at one of the brightest stars on the level. And it's also confirmation that she's everything that Norfolk State thought that she would be. As we push forward, basketball returns tomorrow. Norfolk State returns tomorrow. I got four men's basketball games that I want you to watch for on Saturday, whether they have big time ramifications for the teams, for the conferences. I got one D2 teams or one D2 matchup that we'll look at. And the rest are swack and meag as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Now, go ahead and pull up that Game Time app. If you haven't, it's cool. No matter what you're on, you can do picture and picture on the YouTube side, on the, on the iPhone. You can do Apple Music. you just listening to me. Or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you just listening to me. Pull up the Game Time app. Download it if you haven't already. Create an account and use the code Locked On. By using the code Locked On, you get $20 off your first purchase, no matter where that's going to be. Want to go to a basketball game in your, in your local area? Want to go to a concert? Want to go to a theater show? Want to go to a comedy show? Like all of these things will be present. All you have to do is go to the Game Time app, open it up, create an account, use the code Locked On. That'll get you $20 off no matter where you are. No matter if you're all the way in, in Spokane, Washington, <laughs> or if you're in, in, uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Don't matter. Type in your city, go to fan or go to game time, create an account, and use the code locked on. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. I promise no more random cities to just burst out out of nowhere. You don't have to worry about that. I know Spokane and, and Myrtle Beach came out of nowhere. But you ain't got to worry about that because we know exactly what we're going to be headed, where exactly we're going to be headed. And we first off are going to take that trip down to Atlanta because we have games to watch on Saturday. I know that I typically did this during football season and I did it on the Thursday. Every Thursday, the third segment of the day would be games to watch on this upcoming Saturday. And I don't know if I'll continue to do this, but there was just enough games. I was like, man, I wanted to preview one. Let me walk you behind before we get to these four games. I wanted to preview one game, Clark versus Morehouse. But then I also was like, the MEAC's coming back. Let me see if there's any games there. And it was. Then on the other side of that, I said, well, I also want to look and see if there's any swag. I'm a swag guy, right? Have we talked swag today? I guess technically Sunday out is swag. So I said, forget it. We're going to talk about it all. So I did. Um, Clark, they lost. They lost to Miles, and they, their 13-game winning streak has now fallen. And I, I had this feeling that was going to happen. I did. Morehouse lost their last game. Now you're looking at um, Clark losing their last game. And it's it's crazy to me because this is just like North Carolina Central and Norfolk State where you got two teams at the top. They both lose a game. 
But yeah, so now they have they both have four losses. And with everybody having four losses, everything evens out. Miles over there at the top of their division, they not even worried about anything. They got four losses. Benedict, they have four losses. They smiling right now because Morehouse fell. That was cool. But now that you got both of these teams falling, you don't care who wins. Morehouse, Benedict, and Clark are all in the East Division of the SIAC. So with, with the Clark loss, all three of those teams have four losses. One of them has to have five at the end of the night. And if you're Benedict and you take care of business, you'll now immediately be in second place. Both of these teams beat you. But you have a chance to beat both of these teams as well. That's what gets really, really interesting is Clark or Morehouse has to drop to five, so they will drop to third place. But then you're also looking at Benedict College, who could rise to second. Let me not say that the loser of this game drops to third because Benedict could drop this game. So now they got five losses, and now they in third place. But overall, I think that the, the Clark Atlanta loss to Miles on Thursday night was big for Benedict College's chances at, of having the number one seed because now that Clark has lost, everything is even. Everything is even more condensed, and that's the reason I couldn't say it just runs through Atlanta because Clark lost the game, Morehouse lost the game, Benedict College didn't. And now look at where we are. We're now at a place where if Benedict College wins out, they will return to the number one seed in their division. The next game that I want to take a look at, because the MEAC's coming back and I didn't know which way I wanted to go with it, I decided to look at North, North Carolina Central versus Howard and also Norfolk State versus South Carolina State. We're at a point where everything's a rematch. Benedict versus Morehouse, or excuse me, Clark versus Morehouse has happened. The Spartans versus the Bulldogs has happened. The Eagles versus the Bison has happened. And the SWAT game that I'm going to look at, that has already happened. Norfolk State versus South Carolina State is just a situation where I've seen the Bulldogs upset North Carolina Central. I saw that happen. And I want to see if they could do it again. Norfolk State is coming off of a loss that I said didn't really impact them long term because they controlled their own destiny. Well, controlling your own destiny means you still have to win. And South Carolina State has been a tough game for a lot of people. Now let's go ahead and look at North Carolina Central versus Howard. This was a shellacking last time. Nearly a 20-point victory for the Eagles. But at the same time, Howard is on a two-game conference winning streak. It got broken up by that loss to uh, Hampton in the Invesco QQQ Classic. But overall, you've won two back-to-back -back conference games. Okay. Can you make it three? Are you are you a solid? Like I just want to see if it happens the same way. It was ugly the first time. North Carolina Central is coming off of a loss the same way Norfolk State is. Each of them are competing with a team that they're not facing. They're competing with each other. Now, the last one I want to look at is Texas Southern versus Grambling because TSU has to split these games. They do. They have Grambling and they have Southern. And I, I hate to look forward because we're only looking at this Saturday game. But in this three-day weekend going into President's Day, you got Grambling on Saturday. And then you have Southern on Monday. I think you have to split these. You defeated Grambling once before. Let's see if you could do it again. There's been some questions about their ability to play against high-level teams. And by there have been some questions. I'm the one asking it. But that's okay. I want to see what they do against Grambling. 
And it can't just be look good. You need to win. Because Southern's going to be a very tough game as well. And I know you have them both at home. Yeah. Both of these teams are, or both of these games are going to be at home for Texas Southern. You got to split. You got to split. And the easiest way to split or the most confident way that you would split as a fan is just go ahead and winning that first game. If you don't split that, you might end up on a three-game losing streak. This is very important. Both teams have lost one game. They're trying or lost their last game, and they're both trying to come back and get their stride. Now, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, we more than likely will look at one of, if not multiple of these games on Monday's episode. But in addition to that, we'll also look at Jackson State, who is kind of going to a soft recycle reload because they lost both their coordinators over this course of this offseason. I want to look at that on tomorrow's or Monday's episode of Locked on HBCU. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.